Turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 50, verses 24 through 26. Genesis chapter 50. <clears throat> Very briefly this morning, I want to give you seven reasons why God was able to use Joseph, one of the greatest men who ever lived. There were two men in the Bible who were more like Jesus than any other two men, Joseph and Daniel. There's a striking comparison between their two lives. At another time, I'm going to speak on Daniel. But this morning, I want to share with you what I understand to be seven reasons why God was able to use Joseph. Now listen to the word of God. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being a hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. That's a strange way to close the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. A little earlier in the service, Teddy Phillips read to you from the 37th chapter of Genesis, and he read concerning the coat of many colors and how Joseph was sold to the Midianites and then his brothers took his coat of many colors and dipped it in the blood of an animal that they had killed and then they sent that uh, coat back to the father and they didn't really say, Father, Joseph is dead. They just gave him the coat. They're two or three ways to tell a lie. And that was one of them. Just by deceit, they gave him the coat. They knew very well where Joseph was. And his father wept and mourned and felt like he would go down into his grave mourning for his son, Joseph. Think for a few moments about Joseph, this man that God used in an unusual way. He was born in a family that was troubled. I suppose today they would call it a dysfunctional family. His father Jacob was a supplanter. He had deceived people all of his life. He got him two wives, and then he had children, not only by them, but by their maids. He had 12 sons in all. Some of them were by Leah. Some of them were by... Some by Billa and some by the other, the other handmaid. Well, Joseph was the youngest of those sons. And the Bible clearly tells us that his mother had been jealous because Jacob showed more attention to one wife than the other. Now that sounds like something you'd read in today's uh, sociology books. That's going on all the time. 
And one of the reasons God was able to use Joseph, he came from a family like that. And, and you know, sometimes you'd think a person growing up in a family like that doesn't have any chance. There are already three or four strikes against him. And no wonder he turns out he gets on drugs and he goes the way of all the other kids and he messes his life all up and so on. But Joseph was different. He came into a family like that. And I believe the first reason God was able to use Joseph to do the unusual thing that we'll speak of later, he was a son of promise, but he overcame the difficult situation of his home background. And I want to submit to you, you are more important than your home background. Thank God, thank God for wonderful homes. Thank God for a mother and daddy that will care for their kids and love them and nourish them and be mean as, you know, I read Paul Harvey's article, my mother was mean as the devil. And the reason she was so mean why she made me come in at a certain time and she made me eat certain food and she made me wear certain clothes and she made me go to school, made me study and made me go to church. She was mean as the devil, but I'm so glad she was because she taught me a whole lot. Thank God for homes like that. But Joseph didn't come from a home like that. He came from a dysfunctional home, a home that was all messed up. And some of you can identify with that today. Do you know that there are babies being born today who don't know who their father is? But I want to tell you, it's possible to overcome the home problems. I would not mention the man's name, but one of the dearest pastors that I knew years ago, he's already in heaven. He was from Tennessee he did not know who his father was. He grew up in a dysfunctional family. But early in life, he had a pastor that took some care for him and interest in him. And he got saved and God lifted him out of that. And he became one of the great preachers of the Southern Baptist Convention. I want to submit to you you do not have to live under the circumstances. Joseph was a great example of a man who was able to overcome his earlier life and his home problems. Secondly, look in chapter 37, verse 5. Genesis 37, verse 5. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. Now, You'd see he was grown up, he grew up in a home where his brothers hated him. Uh, he had brothers by one woman, and brothers by another woman, and brothers by still another. He had four different sets of brothers, and they all hated him because he was the youngest son, and he was greatly beloved by his father. Well, Joseph dreamed a dream. He dreamed there was coming a day when everybody would bow down to him. Now he was a naive little guy. Uh, some people criticize him on this point. They say he ought to have kept his mouth shut. The Bible doesn't criticize him, so I don't either. He told his brothers about this. Didn't have any more uh, 
uh, you know, sophistication than to say, well, brothers, I dreamed a dream last night. It was a strange dream. I dreamed that all of you all bowed down to me. Well, you know they loved that. Why the Bible says they hated him more. But Joseph was the kind of man that dreamed dreams. And I want to tell you, we need to dream dreams of what's going to happen to us in the future. We need to have some time alone when we think, what does God want me to do? What's my future going to be like? And then find some people you can trust and relate it to them. I think of Dr. Robert G. Lee, great preacher of the Word of God, has preached in our church many times. He's now in heaven also. But he tells about the time on the farm back in South Carolina. And uh, he, he, had, he, was, he was plowing. He had been to church the night before, and uh, the church was in a revival meeting, and God stirred his heart greatly. And uh, young Bob Lee gave his heart to Jesus. The next day he was out there plowing in the field, and he looked over into the city. He saw the, the city outline, the buildings, and he saw a tall church spire. And Dr. Lee said, I knelt down. I was a nine or 10 year old boy. I knelt down in the ground, in the earth. And I said, Lord, make me a preacher. And let me preach to a lot of people. He was just nine or 10 then. He dreamed a dream. God used him to touch the lives of millions of people around the world because of that dream. Well, I believe everyone in this room ought to dream a dream. Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. His dream was overcoming. His dream was a time of equality. What kind of dream do you dream, young people? Do you just take life, case or all, or all, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen, whatever happens tomorrow is okay, I don't have any plan for life, I don't have any special drive or anything? Or have you set a goal in your life? Do you have a plan for your life? Do you have a dream? Have you asked God to show you a vision of what he wants you to do in life and then set your face to do it? Man. The Bible says Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem like flint. And when somebody tried to sidetrack him from go, going to Jerusalem, he knew he would down across there. He said, for this cause was I born. I came for this Paul cause. I came to down across for the sins of the world. I'm not going to avoid it. Why were you born? Are you just an accident? I don't believe there are any accidents. Man. That's the reason I don't believe in abortion. Man. I believe God gives life. Right. And the reason you're here today is because of God. God has a plan, a blueprint, a special design for you. Have you been alone with God long enough to try to find out what it is? J- Joseph dreamed a dream. Thirdly, Joseph had a vital relationship to God. Look in Genesis 39. We're going to stay in that chapter for a few moments. In Genesis 39, 1 through 3, listen to what the Word of God says. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. This was after he was sold by his brethren into the Midianites, and the Midianites sold him to the Egyptians. And he was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard of Egypt, bought him. You imagine they bought this young boy. They bought him. 
Thank God kids are not for sale. However, we're living in an age when there are probably thousands of young people who have been kidnapped, who have been stolen from their homes and sold into a white slave traffic or a black slave traffic. And there are wicked, evil men making millions of dollars on kitty pornography from the sale of little kids. Well, Joseph was sold into Egypt and Potiphar bought him. He became his servant. But even Potiphar began to notice there was something different about David, about Joseph. Look at it. He had bought him at the hands of the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Amen. The third reason God was able to use Joseph is because he had a vital relationship to God. He had been born again. Amen. He had come to a point in life where he knew he was a sinner, where he was lost and he needed God. And somehow he had invited the Lord God to come into his life. Now this was before the days of Calvary. It was before the New Testament period. In the Old Testament, people were saved just like they are in the New Testament. They looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. Amen. Now we look backward to the coming, to, to what the Lord did on the cross for us. Then they looked forward and they offered a blood sacrifice for the sins of the people. Joseph came under that blood sacrificial system and he had a vital relationship to the Lord God. Now I wanna ask you this morning, do you have that kind of relationship? There are no second generation Christians. Everybody's first generation. You're not a Christian because your mother and daddy were, or your grandpa was, or grandma was, or because somebody in your family used to be a preacher or something like that. Every person has to come to a relationship with God himself. Nobody else can have that relationship for you. Nobody else can get saved for you. Nobody else can receive the Lord into your life for you. You must do it. And there came a time in Joseph's life when he let the Lord God come into his life and he knew how to pray. He knew how to talk to God. He knew how to do things honestly. And this is another reason God was able to use him. Joseph was not lazy or slothful. Look in verses four and six, chapter 39. And Joseph found a grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had he put under his hand and it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer as his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptians house for Joseph's sake and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he knew not anything he had save the food which he did eat and Joseph was a handsome person as well favored. Now, he was not lazy or slothful. Man. We can learn a lot from this. Uh, I don't believe any of us ought to be slothful or lazy. Man. God doesn't put a premium on that. We need to work for the night is coming when men can work no more. And if you get a job and they expect you to work eight hours, you ought to work eight hours. And not go talk on the telephone for 
two or three of those hours. I believe God wants us to be honest in our work and be about the business. Do you know who God calls on to do his work? People that are busy. If you had something that you really, really wanted to get done, would you go to somebody that had plenty of time that never did anything and they just had gobs of time to just loaf and loaf and loaf? Or would you go to find somebody that's pretty busy and they are able to put it all together and so they try to get it done? God finds people that are busy and he wants them to do a work for him. Now, this is not to put down anybody that is unable to work, but I've noticed that even God's people that are unable to work find plenty to do. They're busy all the time doing something for the Lord. It reminds me of that song, I'll be somewhere working for my Lord. In the highways, in the hedges, I'll be somewhere working for the Lord. Now, fifthly, I wish I had a long time to talk about each of these points. I'm giving you an outline as to why God was able to use Joseph. Number one, he overcame his family background. Number two, he was a man who dreamed dreams. Number three, he had a vital relationship to the Lord. Number four, he was not lazy or slothful. Number five, Joseph withstood temptation. Now this 39th chapter tells us one of the one of the most tragic things, and yet it's the kind of thing that goes on all the time. Listen to this, beginning in verse seven. Remember that he was a handsome young man, he was about 17 or 18 years old. Came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, behold, my master knoweth not what is with, with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he had into my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not to her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his work. And there were none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by the garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out. Now that looks like you're reading a true confession story, doesn't it? Right here in the Bible. Joseph, a man after God's own heart, handsome, fine-looking, trusted by Potiphar. Potiphar had a wicked, conniving woman. It's a tragic thing when a woman steps off her pedestal. You remember that when a woman's morals sag, a man's morals fag, but it isn't necessary. And Joseph forever remains an illustration of a man who was able to overcome that temptation. That woman kept harassing him you know, in all the courts, in the courts today, you hear about all these women saying that the men are harassing them and sexual harassment and so on. Well, I guess Joseph could have taken Potiphar's wife to court for sexual harassment. She was constantly badgering him, trying to get him to commit adultery with her. And Joseph said, no, no, no. I want to ask you, how could Joseph say no to that? He was 17 or 18 years old, maybe 19, young man prime of life, 
All the red blood that was in a man and all the creative energy that was in a person was in Joseph. He, that was evidenced by the, by the things he did with the rest of his life. He was a strong man. Why was he able to overcome this temptation? Because he had a daily contact with God. He knew the Lord and he was with the Lord and he was able to overcome this temptation. Now I want you to notice he was a Christian. He was a Christian. He was a man that had a vital relationship with the Lord. You say, well, surely Christians aren't tempted like that. Oh, yes, they are. Man. And sometimes Christians fall. The Bible is filled with illustrations of men who were men of God who fell, but Joseph didn't. He remained steady and true. He had a vital relationship with the Lord, and he was able to overcome the temptation. Remember this. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Again, if you'll open your Bible to Genesis 45, you'll find another, another beautiful story. Years had gone by, Joseph had been put in prison because of Potiphar's wife's lie. She lied against him. He stayed in prison for a number of years. And then he was taken out of prison because he was able to read the king's dream. And he was elevated to the prime minister of the land, second only to Pharaoh. And there came a terrible drought in the land, an awful famine. And the people over in Canaan Israel were under a terrible famine. There was no food. But God had given, day, had given Joseph the wisdom to collect food for Pharaoh. And they'd put it in barns. And now everything was in readiness for the terrible famine. And people from all over that part of the world came and began to buy corn and food from Joseph, who was the prime minister. And over in Canaan, in Israel, old Jacob and his sons were under that terrible famine. And Jacob said, we've heard that there's food down in Egypt. Would you go and buy some food so that we don't starve? And those brothers went down to Egypt and they went before Joseph Keep in mind, many years had gone by. Joseph had been a young man when they sold him into slavery. And now he was prime minister of the land. They had no idea in the world who he was. And those brothers came and they bowed before Joseph. And they asked for food. And Joseph sold them food. And if you read these beautiful stories, you can hardly read without weeping how Joseph tested them. And he put his cup in the sack of the youngest boy, Benjamin. And then they started back and he put their money back in and they started back and he sent his men after them. And he said, why have you treated us thus illy? You have stolen the king's cup and you've taken your money. And they opened their sacks and there was the money and there was the cup and they didn't know what to do. They went back before Joseph and they bowed before him again. They had no idea who he was. 
He said, do you have a father? Yes, we have a father. He said, I want to tell you who I am. And they all met privately with him. They still had no idea who he was. And Joseph came in and wept before them. He said, I am your brother. You sold me into slavery. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And Joseph became his brother's keeper. He loved them. He forgave them. And that's the reason God was able to use him. Do you hold grudges against somebody that's hurt you? Everybody in this room has been hurt by somebody. I know I've known people say, well, I'll tell you, I I can forgive, but I'll never forget. And I don't even want to be around them. Joseph exemplified the spirit of Jesus. He forgave his brothers. He loved them. He became their, their keeper. And he invited his father to come down to Egypt. Last of all, Joseph was a man that pointed to Jesus. Notice how he was like Jesus. He forgave his brethren. He had a wonderful devotion to his father. He wanted his father to come down. And Jesus had a, a holy devotion to his heavenly father to do the will of God. And Joseph in his wonderful spirit toward his brothers became like Jesus in returning good for evil. And just before he died, in that last chapter of Genesis, he called his brothers together. He said, now I'm going to die. And of course, some of of them had already died. And he was talking to his nephews and nieces and the others of the family. He said, I want you to know that God's going to visit Israel. You're going to be in bondage here for a while. God's going to visit you. And when I die, I want you to put me in a tomb, in a casket. But when God visits you, I want you to take my bones back up to Israel and bury them there. For 400 years, that casket in Egypt remained a vision of hope. And every time the people of God would see it, they'd remember the story of Joseph. And they'd remember that Joseph's bones were in that casket. And they'd remember his words, there's coming a day when God will deliver you from the bondage of Egypt and you'll be back in your homeland. He pointed to the hope of tomorrow. That's the reason God could use him. And I want to tell you, the same thing is true today. God can use you. He will use you if you will yield yourself to him, have a vital relationship to him, and let the spirit of Jesus so control you that he'll give you a vision of what he wants you to do, and then be true to that vision. May we bow together in prayer, our heads bowed before the Lord. There's some in this auditorium today who need to confess Christ as Savior and Lord. You need to have the courage to step out from where you are and come and take an open stand for Jesus. I ask you right now, while you're in prayer, would you ask the Lord for that kind of courage and strength? There are some here, if your heart should quit beating today, you'd go to hell. You'd be lost forever. God can change that. If you're willing to open your heart to Christ and invite him to come into your heart, 
He'll forgive you and cleanse you. Our Father, we pray that somebody today would come to Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen. Let's stand, please. Turn your hymn books to number 312. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. He will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Now listen, when you found that hymn, look at me a moment. 312. Listen a minute. If God has spoken to your heart, I'm going to be standing down here at the front. I want to ask you to come and take a stand for Christ. Some of you have been saved before you got here, but you've never confessed Jesus. You've never, the church doesn't know it. You need to come and let everybody know that Jesus lives in your heart. There are others of you who are right on the brink. God brought you to this place this morning for a purpose. He planned it. You came maybe because somebody invited you, but God was behind it all. And he brought you here because he wants your life to take on a new meaning. He wants to give you real life and a real purpose and a wonderful plan for the rest of your life and a wonderful heaven forever. I want to ask you to come and take advantage of that. Come to Christ today. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. God will bless you as you do. May we sing.